this podcast from Jubilee Church Derby, a church family looking to make a difference across the city of Derby and beyond. This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations, and you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Right, uh, that's it, yeah. Um, this is our distinctives. Friends enjoying God together, churches empowered by word and spirit, the kingdom transforming the world, nations making disciples. And I'm going to speak to you this morning, uh, finishing off the uh, series we've had in Colossians, finishing it off. Oh. chapter 4 so if you turn to Colossians chapter 4 it's all about friends enjoying God together churches empowered by the word and spirit the kingdom transforming the world nations making disciples fellowship I love this fellowship do you love this fellowship? Do you love this fellowship? That's better. (laughs) I love the way the the Holy Spirit has given the freedom to move in this fellowship. I love the the freedom in worship. Uh, I love the way that I've grown since I came to this fellowship. Do you love the way you've grown since you came to this fellowship? I really have grown. Fellowship. David Cameron recently said, we're all in this together. And he was talking about austerity. Well, it was politicians speak. But I can't think of a better description of fellowship than we're all in this together. Are we all in this together? Some of us are. (laughs) Well, this may be your first time here, so we trust it won't be your last. We're all in this together. Fellowship is all about a group of people being in something together. Now, when we think about Christian fellowship, what is it that we're all in together? Well, we're in all these things together. And uh, in Colossians chapter 4, we have some of the fundamental, foundational and essential things that distinguish a Christian fellowship from an austerity fellowship or uh, any other kind of fellowship. So in verse 2, Paul starts with prayer. Christians pray. In Christian fellowship, we pray. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, John says, I'm writing to you Christians, and I'm writing to whoever reads this, so that you may have fellowship with us. 
that we can be in all this together. Even though we might be miles apart, different fellowships, different churches, I'm writing this letter so that we can be in this together. And he says, truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. So what he's saying is, Christian fellowship, first and foremost, is we're in this together in fellowship with the Father and the Son. And that's where fellowship starts. That's where Christian fellowship starts. That's the fundamental thing about Christian fellowship. That's what ties us together. That's what joins us together. That in Christian fellowship, we are all in fellowship with the Father and with the Son. And when Paul starts in verse 2, talking about continue earnestly in prayer, that is what Christian fellowship is about. Because we can't see God with our eyes and we have never seen the Lord Jesus Christ and we've never seen the Holy Spirit. But the way that we communicate with God, the way we have fellowship is in prayer. So how is your fellowship with God? I don't just mean on a Sunday morning or when you go to life group. I mean every day. How is your fellowship with God? Because that is the fundamental foundation and essential of Christian fellowship. Now, prayer includes worship, first of all. Prayer includes thanksgiving, intercession, petitions, consecrating and dedicating ourselves to God, supplication, and very important, reading and meditating on the Word of God. That's prayer. Reading the Word and praying are not two separate things. They're all prayer. Because prayer is fellowship with God. It's enjoying God. Now we can't enjoy God together unless individually we're enjoying God. So, let me ask you and answer yourself. Are you enjoying God every day? Not just when you're in a meeting when everything's really fired up and it's going like a bomb. It's easy to enjoy God then. But are you enjoying God every day? Because that is the fundamental thing about Christian fellowship. Let me give you some quotes. Men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Jesus said that. A quote from the author and the finisher of our faith. Now we need to take notice of that. Someone once said to me, how do you get people to come to a prayer meeting? And we've got a prayer meeting on Wednesday. 
Well, I think people who come to the prayer meeting are people who haven't lost heart. I know that not everybody can come who's free to come to our gatherings on a Sunday. Family responsibilities, work responsibilities. But let me ask you, did you used to go to the prayer meeting? And maybe you've lost heart. Jesus said, men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Paul says it here in verse 2. Continue earnestly in prayer. Be vigilant. We all know what a vigil is. People have vigils because they feel very strongly about something and they stand together and they continue to stand together. We can think of some very big vigils that lasted a long time where people felt in certain countries very strongly about their freedom. And maybe the thousands and hundreds camped out in some big open square or some big open place in the capital city for a vigil because they wanted their freedom. Be vigilant in prayer. Stand together in prayer. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18, Paul says, praying always with all kinds of prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. I tell you, the most difficult thing in the Christian life, in Christian fellowship, to continue in is prayer. It's the most difficult thing. But I want to encourage us all this morning to be vigilant in it, to persevere in it. James chapter 5, verse 16, the effective, fervent prayer, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That should encourage us, shouldn't it? This is God's word to us. Don't give up on prayer. Don't give up on the prayer meeting. 1 Peter 4 verse 7. Peter says, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. Number two. In Christian fellowship, we pray for each other. We've been doing that this morning. This is practical expression of Christian fellowship. We pray for each other. Paul says, in verse 3, he says, Meanwhile, praying also for us. In Ephesians 6, verse 19, he says, Pray for me, that utterance may be given me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. In verse 12, in Colossians 4, Paul writing about somebody called Epaphras, who came originally from Colossae. 
a bondservant of Christ, greets you always laboring fervently. There's some heat there. There's some fervency. He's red hot, laboring in prayer. That's one of the off-putting things about prayer, isn't it? It's work. And when we've maybe been at work all day, we don't feel like praying. That's why I always used to pray in the morning before work. And if you've never tried that, I can recommend getting up a bit early and maybe if you have to go to bed a bit earlier so you can get up a bit earlier to spend time enjoying God in prayer. Spend time praying for the others in the fellowship, for those in your life group. This is what life group is all about. Enjoying God together, praying for one another. And if you have to get up a bit earlier, I can recommend that. If it, Actually, I can also recommend skipping your breakfast and having your breakfast in your work lunch break. That gives you a bit of extra time. I have done it. Not just once or twice. Actually, before I retired, I made it a practice. It's enjoying God. And it's the basis of all Christian fellowship. So Epaphras, he laboured fervently in prayers for you that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. In Christian fellowship, we walk in wisdom. Paul says, walk in wisdom towards those who are outside. What he means is, behave wisely towards those who are not in fellowship with God and not in relationship with God. Practice wisdom. Walk in wisdom, Paul says. Our prayer life and enjoying God helps because God gives us wisdom. James says, if any of us lacks wisdom, let him ask of God because God is just waiting to pour wisdom into your heart and into your thinking. He wants to make you wise because there are people outside, we know, of relationship and fellowship with God. Walk in wisdom, redeeming the time, making the most of every opportunity. Now, one of the things that Paul asked people to pray for him for was that God would open to him a door for the word. Now, I've got some little bit of practical experience in this because the other week when we went out on the streets in Derby, I prayed that the Lord would give me an open door. And what happened was when we got to the place where we all sort of... Um, split up 
into our groups of twos and threes, I saw a guy sitting on a bench by St. Peter's Church. And I thought, I'd just go and sit by him because I remember, what was his name? Steph Miles. I remember Steph talking about a guy he spoke to on a park bench because he just went and sat on the bench. And uh, so I went and sat next to this guy and uh, just started chatting to him. And then I asked him the question, you know, if I I believe that God works miracles in people's lives, what would you like God to do for you? And there was an open door because he said, well, I'd like a fresh start. What an open door. Paul's priority was to actually be able to speak the mystery of Christ, the mystery of the gospel, the hidden truth. It's hidden to those who are lost. And he's in prison. He's chained up. And you might think, well, he should have given up on thinking he can go and spread the word. But he didn't. If Paul can spread the word in prison, chained up, any one of us can pray for an open door to spread the word. To speak the mystery of Christ. He says that I might make it manifest. That I I might open it up as I ought to speak. So we need to walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom to those who are not in fellowship with God yet. So that God can give us words of wisdom to open up the mystery of Christ, the mystery of the gospel, the things that are so sort of unclear. They're in the dark about. Now, walking in wisdom means that we will be gracious. Paul says in verse 6, let your speech also always be with grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each one. When we talk to people about the Lord and share the gospel with them, they've got questions And the questions that people are likely to ask these days are not the questions that people would have been asking Paul or the others in the the prison fellowship that were with him. People ask a lot of things about what I call pseudoscience these days. They want to know why if the God of the Bible is true, why is it that so many people are saying we don't need God these days because science has got all the answers? And I can guarantee that very often people will come out with questions to do with this pseudoscience. But 
their questions really have their origins in uh, materialistic, secular atheism. (laughs) In other words, people who don't believe in God. They come out with all the kind of questions that are really red herrings, but people tend to be fed these things these days. Children in schools. Well, you can't teach that God created everything. The whole thing is taken over by secular atheism. People, what they see on the television, on the Discovery Channels, and on the BBC, and on the media in general, it's all geared towards atheism. Now, I can recommend, if you, if you want to have answers, I can recommend that you look on Answers in Genesis uh, website. We even get their magazine. I get the magazine every three months. It's good. But what is more important than having some answers is how, how you answer. Paul says, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer. It's far more important how you answer people when they have questions than actually having answers for them. If you answer graciously, or even if you admit you don't know the answer, that's far more impressive. That makes an impression, a gracious impression, a Christ-like impression, a Christian fellowship impression. It's also important how you answer the hard questions about suffering and death. If we do it graciously, admitting that we don't have all the answers to people who are still outside of Christian fellowship. Well, people inside Christian fellowship very often feel that they don't have answers to the suffering maybe that they've gone through or that others who are near and dear to them have gone through or are going through. I very often recommend people look at Job and how God dealt with Job when it comes to suffering because God didn't, as I think Graham said last week, God didn't give him answers like one and one equals two. Logical answers. But God himself was the answer to all Job's questions. God himself satisfied Job's heart because questions about suffering and death, they are heart questions. Even more than their head questions. 
and God himself can satisfy our hearts. I remember when my eldest sister, uh, she had a little nine-month-old baby die of what actually turned out to be cystic fibrosis. And my mum and I went to his funeral in, in Cork in Southern Ireland and after the funeral I had a sort of a mini nervous breakdown. And there were problems in my heart over little Joel's death. Because I kept thinking about one night when I'd babysit, when I was babysitting for all the kids in the family while the the wives went to the meeting. And I'd sort of, I had to nurse him because he wouldn't settle down. And I just had that, that thought of him and, and nursing him. But one day I was coming home from work on my little Honda 50 Sports and I, I can tell you, well, probably you don't know it, but there's a place called Hanger Lane in London. See, someone's nodding who knows it. I was coming up to the traffic lights not going under the underpass to the traffic lights that hang a lane because I lived in Alperton. And all of a sudden, God said to me, there's a reason for it. And I can't tell you or explain to you why that satisfied me, but it did because I knew that God had spoken to me. And I... in there was lots of traffic about and so I knew that nobody could hear me. So I shouted it out, there's a reason for it. Several times because it was just a release of my heart. Because God himself was the answer. In Christian fellowship, we share news and personal circumstances and bring comfort. In verse 7 and 8 it says, Tychicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister and fellow servant of the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. I am sending him to you for this very purpose and that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. This is what Life Group is all about. So we learn about what's going on in, in each other's lives a bit more intimately than probably we know about what's going on in each other's lives on a Sunday. This is what I love about life group and if you're not part of a life group, get into a life group because it's where it all happens. It's where Christian fellowship happens on a, on a greater level, I would say, than what happens on a Sunday morning. Or it's a different dynamic. It's a more personal dynamic where we learn about each other's circumstances that we're prepared to share. And we pray for one another and we encourage one another. 
Now we do need to maintain fellowship. In verse 14 it talks about Luke the beloved physician and Demas greeting you. These are two people. Uh, Luke faithfully stayed with Paul. Demas was with Paul for a while. But in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, we read this, and it's sad. Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. This guy was part of the prison fellowship. But gradually over time, something happened in his heart. And he stopped enjoying God. And he started enjoying the world. Now that isn't to say that we can't enjoy good things in the world and still enjoy God. But when we stop enjoying God and the world becomes everything to us, and we lose our heart to the world, there's a problem. Now, it might not be obvious, and it probably wasn't obvious straight away with Demas. He would still meet with the others in the prison fellowship and pray with Paul and share the word together. And But then gradually, because his heart wasn't in it and he wasn't in fellowship anymore, He left. He deserted Paul. Now I know that not every Christian is out of fellowship or not regularly in fellowship because they've fallen in love with the world. But if that's you this morning, and you're feeling that the tug of the world is stronger than the pull of the Spirit of God on your heart. There's alarm bell. There should be alarm bells ringing. So let the alarm bells ring this morning and come into fellowship. Get into a life group. Don't be on the fringe. Don't be on the outside. Come right in. Let's be all in it together. And number six, in Christian fellowship, we encourage each other in the ministry that God has given us. In verse 17, it says, Say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. In other words, your ministry, don't leave it half done. Don't be content with half measures. Keep right on to the end of the road. There's a song, isn't there? Keep right on to the end of the road. Something like that. (laughs) I remember hearing on a program where... um, politicians and volunteers were going round in a by-election knocking on doors uh, and they they just you just have to keep on 
keep on keeping on. Make the most of every opportunity to serve. Press toward the mark for the prize of your high calling. Go for it. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. But whatever ministry we have, we can only fulfill it as we stay in close fellowship with God and with one another. Because we're all in this together. Now I just thank God for this fellowship and that I feel part of this fellowship and I'm in it. I recently saw David Cameron and he was on the phone sitting next to the guy who used to be the Liberal Democrat leader. Lives down in Devon. No, the the one before him. Sorry. Paddy Ashdown, yeah. And they were on the phone and they were phoning up people encouraging them to stay in the union. The EU, that is. And on the rosette, it said, I'm in. And if you don't feel this morning that you're in, I want to encourage you to come in and to get in and be part of this fellowship. Be part of what God is doing here. Enjoy God together part of a church that's empowered by the word and the spirit. And in wisdom, bring in the kingdom of God to the outside world, to those who are not yet in fellowship and in relationship with God. You know, when Graham first asked me to do Colossians 4, I thought, there's not much meat in that. There's not really much theology there because I like theology. I like the beginning of Paul's... Well, I like the practical stuff as well, but, but then when I looked at it and I began to pray about it and I began to study it and spend time with God in that chapter, I thought, what a wonderful chapter that is because it's all about fellowship and being in it together. Amen. Thank you, Dave. I mean, all. I've got a lot to do. Lou, do you want to come and share that then? Just before we finish. Yeah, I had a picture in worship and I didn't really know what it meant. And uh, as Dave was bringing the word just now, I um, kind of felt God bring revelation of it. Um, the picture I had was, um, I've never been before, but of the greyhound, is it races? And just kind of seeing all these dogs just kind of being let out of the gates and aware that they kind of chase after this plastic rabbit. And um, <laughs> Sorry, bizarre picture. But I just kind of felt that um, actually God um, challenge wants to bring a challenge to folks this morning of what are you chasing? And these greyhounds kind of go, is it health or leather? Is that the right 
word, but um, after this, this plastic, you know, rabbit, and they, they run and run and run as, you know, as hard as they, as they can. And uh, just kind of felt it was kind of in a work context of um, perhaps you're in a really kind of high-powered competitive um, environment and you're, you've kind of been caught up in the swell of having to chase um, whatever it is in, in that environment. But I just felt God say, where's your heart? You know, those have been talking about where our heart is. And uh, actually, we can still be in those environments, but actually, if, if our heart is for God, God can use it for his, his glory. Thank you. Yeah. Also, the, the dogs never catch the rabbit, have you noticed? <laughs> they never, ever catch it, no matter how hard they try. And I guess that's, isn't it? Yeah. What, what, if you're looking outside of God for satisfaction, you never find it. Mm. God is the only one who satisfies. Yeah. Amen. Thank you guys for coming. It's been great to see you this morning. Great to have you with us. Uh, we will continue our fellowship together with tea, coffee, and uh, biscuits and stuff out in the hallway. So please... Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk and come along on any Sunday morning.